Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special UFC recap. This is Jordan and Drew, the sports crew. I'm Jordan Lorenz on solo duty here on a Sunday morning. I didn't think this was going to happen at all. Manitowoc Bandits had a game at 7.30. I figured, oh, you know, I'd be home around 10 o'clock, miss the first two fights. That game started, and they started a little early, actually. Then it got rained out eventually. There was a humongous lightning strike that said, uh-uh, we're coming off. you got to wait 30 minutes then until you can resume play. About five minutes before that, they called the game off. They said, uh-uh, we're just going to do this tomorrow night. So that being Sunday, which is tonight, actually, hopefully they can get that game in. Game three of the series currently lead 8-0 through two and one-third innings. So it is a very, very nice start for this Bandits team. Looking to make it to the championship series and go back to back, to back. But we're not here for the Manitowoc Bandits. We are here for UFC 265. Took place last night from the Toyota Center in Houston, Texas, the hometown of the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. And, well, ah, things didn't go to plan in that main event. We'll talk all about it when we get there. But first, this, this card, right? Let's just start out with this. Very, very close fights all around. Coming into the show, I mean, there's three pickums, three pickums coming into this pay per view, which means that the odds makers can't decide who the favorite is. They're both like minus one ten or something like that when it comes to betting, which is crazy. There was so many close fights on paper, and they a lot of them went to a decision, and the ones we expected to be close were just that, and it all started with the first fight of the main card, Casey Kenny, Song Yudong, bantamweight bout, Dominic Cruz announcing a bantamweight fight, which is always fun, because obviously he's in the bantamweight division, former king of that 135 pounders, and split decision here in the first fight of the night, they announced the last, um, the last judge's scorecard had it 30-27, and Casey Kenny, he was like real excited, he's like, oh, I got it in the bag. And then when they announced Sung Yudong won this fight, he was like, oh, mad!" And he got up on top of the cage and was cheering. And he was like, yeah, come on, whatever. Uh, he didn't win 30-27. There's no way. I don't mind the split decision. I had a 29-28 for Sung Yudong as well. But 30-27, kind of tough to see. But it's just even tougher to see Casey think he won a 30-27 fight. He got outstruck in all three rounds. And it was like, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was like, Seven in the first round, Sung Yudong had the advantage. Then it was like 10. Then it was like 15. It just kept getting greater, which is so good for Song, showing he's making adjustments, figuring things out as the fight goes on. Casey Kenny wasn't really sure he hung in there. He was taking some strikes, but at the end of the day, Sung Yudong gets the job done. And I mean, this guy, 23 years old, and he's going to be looking top 10, top 5 fight maybe in this next one. I mean, he is certainly moving up the ranks. He's been with the UFC for four years. He's been with the UFC since he was 19 years old, and he hasn't really had any obstacles along the way. Cody Stamen, he had a draw with him back into the end of 2019, and then a loss to Kyler Phillips, which, I mean, isn't really the best loss to have earlier this year, but Kyler Phillips, 9-2, and two, in his UFC career, he actually just lost to Raleigh Paiva a few weeks ago, a majority decision. So, 
Kyler got his second loss of his career, and that was the first loss in UFC for him, but we're here to talk about Sung Yudong, 23 years old, 17-5 and five is his record. He does have a few stoppage victories in the UFC. His first one was by submission. He's got two knockout wins in the UFC under his belt, but otherwise he's been a decision fighter. This was the first split decision win he's had in the UFC, so I mean, he's getting in that water where these fights are starting to get closer and closer and closer, but as for Casey Kenny, he's now 16-4. and four. He's going to be just fine. He's dropped two straight, but we all know, last fight he lost was to Dominic Cruz, and he's got back-to-back split decision losses, so Casey Kenny is really sticking in there. He's got some close, close fights, some big wins under his belt as well, but he's going to have to move up the rankings now. He's going to have to find himself once again, and Sung Yudong is going to be a star in this division one day. You can put my name down saying that because I truly, truly believe it. He's got so much potential, and he's still so, so young, so I can't wait to see what happens there. Next up, the lone women's fight on the main card. Obviously, we know Manda Nunes was supposed to be fighting, and sadly that didn't happen. We would have loved two title fights on this card. I think Dana thought, for whatever reason, that Derek Lewis, Cyril Gahn wasn't big enough to main event, so he put Amanda Nunes, or he, pardon me, he didn't think Amanda Nunes was big enough to main event, so he put Derek Lewis and Cyril Gahn on this card. I don't know, but Amanda Nunes can main event any show in the world at this point. She is the GOAT. Sadly, didn't fight on this card, so we got Tisha Torres and Angela Overkill Hill in a strawweight bout. Unanimous decision, Man, Tisha Torres looked good in this fight. They were talking about Angela Hill and her head movement and stuff. I completely agree. She wasn't really moving her head. She was just kind of eating the strikes, still pushing forward, which is good to see, but you can't live like that. You know what I mean? You can't just keep eating shots and moving in. The judges aren't going to like that, especially when you're getting outstruck and you're not really doing any damage. Angela Overkill Hill was, she was all right. You know, I mean, she looked decent, but She's now in a tricky situation, losing three of her last four. I mean, losses to Michelle Waterson, Karate Hadi, and Claudia Gedalia. Sure, those are really big fighters to be losing to. But does she have any real notable wins in the UFC? I would argue no. I mean, anytime she moves up to face a big fighter, she lost to Courtney Casey back in 2019. She lost to Nina Nunez in 2017, Jessica Andrade. In 2017, I mean, any time she gets that big fight where we think we're going to see something great from Angela Overkill Hill, she underperforms. She's now 13-10, and 10, and she's 36 years old. So, on the opposite, you've got 13-5 and 5, Tisha Torres, 31 years old, who could be reaching the prime of her career. DC was saying last night how, sure, Tisha Torres had a four-fight losing streak, but listen to three of the names she lost to. Jessica Andrade, Yuanion Jacek, and Weili Zhang. And guess what? None of them stopped Tisha Torres. Those were all decision losses for Tisha. And then the Mariana Rodriguez was another one that came. That was the fourth fight in the losing streak. But now she's won three straight. TKO victory over Sam Hughes back in December of last year. So maybe we'll be seeing Tisha fight one more time this year. Tisha has beaten Michelle Watterson, she's beaten Juliana Lima, she's beaten Beck Rawlings, she lost to Rose Namajunas, nothing wrong with that, but now she's got two wins over Angela, over Kill Hill, and I mean, 
I was moving down. You want to look even further back? Let's go to Invicta FC4, 2013. Tisha Torres beat Paige Van Zandt. Let's go to Invicta FC6. She beat Rosenam Yunus in 2013. Lost to Thug Rose in 2016, but obviously I would love to see that one run back for the trilogy fight. Tisha Torres looked mighty fine in this fight. Really, really good decision win for her. And this next fight was probably the one I was most looking forward to. Michael Chiesa, Vicente Luque, two guys who are doing so, so well right now. I mean, Luque, coming off that win over Tyron Woodley, where Woodley looked so good in the first few minutes, and then boom, out of nowhere, Luque comes out and gets a choke. And here, same thing happened in this fight. Michael Chiesa had Vicente Luque down twice. He got in a choke, and afterwards, Luque said he that was about 80% of the way in. Chiesa was so close to stopping Luque in the first round. Luque is able to scramble, fight out of it, and he gets himself another choke victory. He stops Michael Chiesa in a wild, wild position, and Vicente Luque, guys, he is legit. He's 21-7. and seven. He's won four straight. He's only lost one fight since March of 2017. And that loss to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And Wonderboy is coming off that terrible loss to Gilbert Burns, which I absolutely hated seeing. But Wonderboy was legit. Everyone thought he was going to be the next challenger for sure. But now Gilbert Burns threw a huge wrench in that plan regardless. I mean, that's a huge, huge time for Vicente Luque to step up after that Wonderboy loss, beat Nico Price, Randy Brown, T. Wood, and now Chiesa. That's Chiesa's first loss here in the new 170-pound division. Ever since he moved up, he was unbeaten, beating the likes of Neil Magny, Rafael Dos Anjos, Diego Sanchez, which is whatever. Carlos Condent, he submitted Condent just about two and a half years ago. Michael Chiesa is going to be just fine. He's going to move back up the rankings. He's going to find himself once again. I know it. I absolutely know it. And after this fight, he knew he got caught. There's nothing he could do at this point. I mean, his only losses, he's got five losses in his career. One to Vicente Luque, former champ, or at least title contender, or future, I should say. One to Anthony Pettis. I mean, it's Anthony Pettis in 2018. Pettis was doing great at the time. One to Kevin Lee, who is on top of the world at one point. One to Joe Lozon, which is, you know, it's Joe Lozon, right? I mean, the guy's basically done everything. And then the other loss was to Jorge Masvidal, back in 2013, actually. So that was a really long time ago, completely different Jorge Masvidal. But Luque gets the win by a choke. I was, I mean, I didn't really care who won the fight. I like both guys, and I obviously wanted Kiss a little more, maybe. But Luque, I thought, was going to win, and indeed he did get the job done. That's one I would have no problem with running back in the near future. Co-main event, Bantamweight. We're at 135 once again. Jose Jr. Aldo. Jose Aldo gets the job done. Unanimous decision. He looked so, so good in this fight. Anytime I'm ready to count Aldo out, anytime I'm ready to count him out, he always comes back and proves me wrong. He beat Chido Vera in December of last year which I did not expect at all. I thought it was the end of his career. He lost to Volkanovski, lost to Marias, lost to Piero Jan, 
and then beat Cheeto Vera, and now beat Pedro Munoz. So this guy is on his way back up once again. I was actually surprised to see he's only 34. When they said that last night, I was like, wait a minute. He's not that old. It's not like he's reaching the end of his career. If anything, he's getting back. I don't want to say in the prime, but he is finding himself once again. Jose Aldo looked so good in this fight against Munoz. He actually set a record, a personal record, for most significant strikes in a fight. He had over 100, which is huge in a three-round fight. Munoz was standing there. He took everything Aldo gave to him, but wasn't really dishing a lot out. And At the end of the day, you're not going to win a fight by just eating strikes. He never really seemed like a threat to Aldo. Nothing ever really caught him too well, and now he's in a tough spot because Munoz has lost three of his last four. Once again, though, we're in the same boat as Tisha Torres. Munoz has lost to Jose Aldo, Frankie Edgar, and Aljamain Sterling. Aljo is a champ right now, guys. Frankie Edgar was so good for so long, and that was a five-round fight as well. I mean, they were the main event of a fight just about a year ago, actually, and it was a split decision loss to Frankie Edgar. So that one was oh so close. I mean, he stopped Cody Garbrandt the fight before that Aljo fight back in March of 2019. Munoz, now 19-6, same age as Jose Aldo. So at the end of the day, here we are in a situation again where I'll be rooting for Jose Aldo to climb the ladder and get back on top. Who knows? I mean, if he could become the bantamweight king, boy, that would be something. I think Munoz is going to take a little bit, but eventually he'll be back in contention. And I don't know, maybe he's just going to be one of those guys where it seems like he's there. It seems like he's at that point, And then he chokes. He loses almost a Wonder Boy situation, which I hate to say because we all know we love Wonder Boy here. But someone else the Houston crowd loved? Derek Lewis and Oh, man, this was one of the most disappointing main events in a long, long time for me. In three rounds, Derek Lewis landed his 16 strikes compared to the 112 of Cyril Gaon. 98 significant strikes for Gaon. All 16 of Lewis's strikes were significant, but this was this was not a good fight in any way. Cyril Gaon is... I mean, I think people just have to realize this at this point. Cyril Gaon is not the most entertaining fighter in the world. Cyril Gaon is going to do whatever it takes to win, and he did just that in this fight. It Derek Lewis, I said it in the first round, he didn't look like himself. It's not, I don't want to say he looked scared, but he just looked lost. He looked confused. He's never seen a guy like Cyril Gaon come at him like this. DC said it best, everyone respects the power of Derek Lewis, Sirogan did not. He just ran right at the Black Beast and didn't care what he had to throw at him. And at one point, Sirogan literally ran away from Lewis because he started charging at him. You can't blame the guy at all. No one wants to get hit by the Black Beast. I was shocked at Lewis coming into this fight as a 270 underdog. So on FanDuel, on DraftKings, I'm jumping all over this guy. You can never count out the Black Beast. We knew there was basically one of Three ways this fight was going to go. Lewis stoppage early. Sirogan dominates a five-round snooze fest. Or Lewis dominates a snooze fest. And then late in the fight, Lewis... Or did I say Lewis? Gan would dominate a snooze fest for three, four rounds or whatever. But then Lewis would knock him out in like the final minute of a round or the first minute in one of the final rounds. None of those happened. Gan was dominating, but he stopped the Black Beast, which is not something 
that happens often at all. Derek Lewis, now 25-8. and eight. He's been stopped by Daniel Cormier by submission, which was fine. That was a heavyweight championship fight. Daniel Cormier took Lewis down, knew exactly what he was doing. He was stopped by Junior Dos Santos. Whatever. I mean, that's Sigano. There's nothing you can do against JDS. And then he was stopped by Mark Hunt. I mean, we're talking about Mark Hunt here, guys. Nothing wrong with that at all. And then the last time he was stopped before those, 2015. So he's only been stopped three times in basically six years, fighting top elite heavyweights. Coming into this, he had four straight wins. But here's where we have the problem, right? We have the problem because this fight, this interim heavyweight championship fight, should have never happened in the first place. Under no circumstance should Derek Lewis be fighting for an interim title. Derek Lewis stopped Francis Ngannou, guys. Derek Lewis beat Francis Ngannou back in 2018. Francis Ngannou is the heavyweight champ. The last guy to stop Francis Ngannou was Derek Lewis. Lewis stopped Ngannou. The only other person to do that is Stipe Miocic. I mean, you got to go way back to before the UFC when he lost a fight, but that doesn't even count. Francis Ngannou avenged that loss to Stipe Miocic. He became the heavyweight champ of the world just 52 seconds into the second round earlier this year. Derek Lewis is the guy that should be getting this heavyweight championship fight. There's no doubt about it, but for whatever reason, Francis Ngannou gets disrespected and he has no choice but to sit on the sideline and watch an interim champion be crowned, which makes zero sense. Interim belts are for times when there's like two champs, they're going out back and forth, whatever, aren't able to fight immediately, or when there's an injury. St. Ngannou was hurt and he wouldn't be fighting until January of next year. You have an interim champ in the meantime, you get one or two interim fights, and when Ngannou's ready to go, you bring him back and they fight again. Neither of those were the situation. I am, my mind was blown. When they announced this, Cyril Gaon and Derek Lewis for the interim belt, it just makes no sense at all. No disrespect to Cyril Gaon. He deserves to be a top contender in this heavyweight division, and maybe he's going to become UFC champ in his 11th professional fight. It could happen, but that's not the point. It shouldn't be happening. This should have been Derek Lewis's moment against Francis Ngannou, our big rematch there. Who knows if we'll ever get it again, and I am just so sad for Derek Lewis. He didn't look good in this fight at all, but it was never a place he should have been in. This is Cyril Gan's moment. This is his moment to stand atop the heavyweight division. His last five fights, he beat Tanner Boser. He stopped Junior Dos Santos. He beat Rosenstrike. He beat Volkov. Keep in mind, Rosenstrike and Volkov, both five-round fights that went to a decision. So he dominated both of those fights, unanimous decisions, and then beats Derek Lewis. He fought on, this is his third fight already this year, I should say. He fought February 27th, June 26th, and now August 7th. June 26th to August 7th, basically no turnaround at all. And here he is stopping the Black Beast, which blows my mind. But like I said, at the end of the day, nothing we can do about it at all. We're just going to have to sit around and wait to see what happens next. I feel so bad for Derek Lewis. I was so sad going to bed last night knowing Derek Lewis really not competitive at all. So that wraps things up here for the UFC recap. I always like to look at what's coming up
for the UFC, and we've got a week off. August 21st is the next fight night. Jared Cannonier and Kelvin Gastelum in the main event of that fight. That one will be on ESPN, so a chance for everyone to watch the upcoming fight night. Jared Cannonier and Kelvin Gastelum. We have to wait until September 25th for our next pay-per-view, but it is worth the wait. International Fight Week, five huge fights on this main card. Jessica Andrade and Cynthia Cavillo, Curtis Razorblades against Rosenstrike, which is a heavyweight scrap, a five-round return of Nick Diaz. Nick Diaz is back against the one and only Robbie Lawler, a rematch for those two, their first fight. I'll actually have to look here real quick. I don't remember when exactly their first fight was. It was obviously a while ago, and this is a crazy fight because ruthless Robbie Lawler has lost four straight but here he is, getting to face Nick Diaz the last time these two fought. 2004, Nick Diaz beats Robbie Lawler by knockout in the second round. UFC 47 was the first fight between these two. Boy, how things have changed. And then we got two title fights. Lauren Murphy thinks she has what it takes to stop Valentina Shevchenko. I'm not one to bet against Valentina. That should be a really, really good fight. And then Alexander Volkanovsky and Brian Ortega for the featherweight title. Can't wait for that. Everything is going to be awesome. Can't wait for UFC 266. And that wraps it up here for my UFC 265 recap. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget, we're on Instagram, Jordan Drew underscore sports crew. Facebook, Jordan Drew the sports crew. YouTube, Jordan Drew the sports crew. Follow us on Apple Podcasts. Leave those five-star reviews. we got a fantasy football league. If you guys want to join that, you can just DM me or Drew or our Instagram. I'm on Twitter, JordanLaw underscore PXP. And that wraps it up, guys. Thank you oh so much for listening to my UFC recap. We will see you all tomorrow for episode 22. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Jordan Drew the sports crew. The perfect podcast for you.